Boomer Schooner. You know, what was it like? Did you guys actually run out behind that, or how did you view what they did as you guys were coming out of the tunnel with that? Uh, I'm just talking about South Carolina, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm excited to run out to Sandstorm. Um, I don't even remember what we did running out. We kind of just ran out, but, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm more disappointed in after hearing that, that someone thought it was called the – Boomer Schooner? Is that what he said? The Boomer Schooner? Or if someone's asking Spencer Rattler three days before kickoff how he ran out of the tunnel at OU. I don't know which one I should be more upset about, Travis, but both of those have triggered me a little bit. The Boomer yep. Schooner? You guys not cover college football out there in South Carolina or what? Yep. And the, the fans need to know these these are, these are the big-time answers, this hard-hitting uh, big J journalism they got out there in uh, in South Carolina. I'll tell you what, that's one thing that we're getting from the transfer portal. You know, you, you saw this with Casey, Casey Thompson. People started asking him after after the Northwestern game, oh, it's something about Texas. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to talk about Texas anymore. Now they're asking Spencer Radler about Oklahoma. Oh, I don't want to talk about Oklahoma anymore. It, it's kind of interesting because it seems to be, I mean, have you, have you heard a lot of Dylan Gabriel UCF questions? Um, no, I, I, I mean, not from the local media, not really. Um, and I, and I'm trying to think of anyone else, Jeffrey Johnson, not a whole lot of Tulane questions. I don't know. I don't know if it's just something from a guy transferring from a P5 to another P5, if that's a thing, but I haven't heard Caleb Williams by the LA media get a whole lot of Oklahoma questions. It's just, I don't know. It's a little bit odd, a little bit odd to me. Yeah, I mean, and I think again, it's just going to be this this musical chairs of quarterbacks that we're seeing uh, all over the country. It's hopefully some of some of that media kind of picks up uh, what what the quarterbacks are putting down and saying, "Hey, you know what? Just let's ask about this team this season." You're doing it. It, it does nobody any favors uh, for me to talk about my former team. Yeah, the Boomer Schooner, though. Come on, man, be better. You cover college football for a living. The Sooner Schooner is uh, one of the most popular mascots that's out there. I I don't know, maybe watch an Oklahoma game sometime. So normally, Travis, it's easy. Three o'clock, you just go right to the big story of the day. The problem is, I'm not necessarily sure what the big story of the day is. Is it the rumor about the facilities? OU wants a new $175 million facility that sounds like it might be on the track field east of the football stadium. Is it the fact that maybe OU and Texas will be in the SEC in 2023? Or is it the Wanye Morris suspension? Since they're playing a football game on Saturday, it's probably the Wanye Morris suspension. And this is interesting, right? Because... You know, Brent said on Monday night that, you know, when the death chart was released, he even said at his coaches show that, you know, expect that thing to change from Monday until Saturday. And, and said, In fact, he basically said that there are some spots that would change between Monday and Saturday. Well, here's one that's obviously going to change because of the situation that Wanye Morris is in. And this is a bad time to be missing football games because – I know this staff has the mentality, Travis, but this is one of those situations where regardless if you were penciled in as the starter, if you let a true freshman or someone else come in right away and play well at your position, it's not just so easy as you might get it back when you travel up to Lincoln, Nebraska. You may you may lose out by the time you're eligible again. Yeah, much like your much like the captain 
you know, type situation where he's doing captain's game to game and he's making it where, hey, you know what, you got to earn it. You got to, this isn't just a, you know, you get your, your captaincy, captainhood, if you will, and you just get it the rest of the year no matter what happens. No, you have to continue to display that leadership, uh, continue to, you know, handle yourself the right way, everything like that. Well, the depth chart is no different. If you're, if you're playing the best, you're going to play. And it's interesting because, you know, you hear about it in the pros all the time when it's, oh, well, the highest paid guy is going to play. And then, of course, all the Texas rumors are like, well, we got we got to play Ewers because he's, he's the highest paid guy on the team. You know, the boosters will get mad. We've heard all those rumors. It's, it's interesting because you think it should go like this. It should go, hey, if you play the best and you're available, you'll play. It's simple as that. So, yeah, it's. It, I, I think if it's a two-game uh, suspension, obviously it's uh, convenient that the two games come against our easiest opponents of the year. Um, and then we'll see we'll see what it looks like whenever he's back uh, back on you know availability. Yeah, it's not easy. In fact, it's really difficult for if it is indeed Jacob Sexton starting over Wanye Morris. I mean, he is the the one that's listed behind him on the depth chart. Um, if it is Jacob Sexton who starts on Saturday, it's tough, man, to start at one of those tackle spots as a true freshman. That's a really tough responsibility. But at the same time, they really, really, really like him. Yeah, you heard Brent Vittables brag about him all offseason long. He's going to have, I mean, obviously, Travis, but he's going to have a chance to play here right away. And like we've been saying, he could put himself in a scenario where the coaching staff says, we cannot justify taking him out of the starting lineup. He's played so well throughout the first two games, we have to start him in week three. That, that has now, that situation, I think, has now turned into one of the most intriguing things to watch over the course of the first two games. Who's starting at right tackle? How well do they play? And will they start at that position when OU goes to Lincoln? Right, and ideally you don't want a true freshman starting on your offensive line. Uh, but we've been hearing great things about the offensive line all of camp. We've been told of the strength of the uh, of the whole team. We've been told the Jakes. We've been told Savion Bird. We've been hearing a ton about Tyler Guyton. I think Tyler Guyton was probably the first name we heard uh, who was standing out outside of the uh, – uh, you know, the incumbent starters. And that's the thing, man. A, a lot of people, we've always heard on oh, left tackles, you know, the second most important position in sports, left tackle, left tackle, left tackle. Well, yeah, because that's because 98% of quarterbacks are right-handed. But Dylan Gabriel being a lefty, that right tackle position becomes extremely important to protect that blind side. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And, and at, at, at the worst case, absolute bare minimum we're getting somebody some great reps some live game action sure. building some depth so you know worst case scenario um that's what it is and then you know Wanye comes back and starts against nebraska and we don't think anything of it until next year when Wanye has gone and sexton can say you know what i've i've played you know i've played in a, a, a hyped up environment you know brent's first game all this kind of stuff uh and and it'll only help him in the future Good point, text line. Yes, remember, it's the right tackle that is protecting the quarterback's blind side since Dylan Gabriel is a lefty. Uh, yes. 
Uh, camp is one thing, but playing in an actual college game is a whole different animal. Yes, keep those texts coming, 405-651-3439. Big story number two is what Dennis Dodd tweeted out today. As a consequence of the Big 12 Conference, starting negotiations early with rights holders, sources tell CBS Sports they are now uh, in active discussions regarding Texas and OU leaving early for the SEC. Do you take that, Travis, as this is OU in Texas last year in the conference or or not? I, I think it does, and I think we have reason to want to go in 2024 instead of 2023. But, Tyler, you and I have spoken multiple times about this. Everything seems to be moving so much faster around the country with realignment that this this just felt like, Okay, even even before Dodd reported, it's it seemed like a domino that was going to fall. I mean, you see, you know, the, obviously the USC UCLA move because we hadn't seen some conference realignment stuff after our our announcement for a while. Then that happened, and it is on the front of everybody's minds, and it's saying, okay, you know, this is people are going to move fast, and then you think USC and UCLA are going to be in the Big Ten before OU and Texas are in the SEC, that doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. And then you start thinking, wait a minute, so we're going to add these four teams to the Big 12, and then we're going to play a little bit with OU and Texas still in the league. Going to have to work out that scheduling and those TV deals, and then like a year later redo it all. It just it, it seems so messy that you knew this was coming eventually. I think this is OU's last year in the Big 12. I, I thought that before this announcement today, and I know I said it last hour, but this is just another sign to me that uh, OU and Texas are going to join the SEC next year. I, I don't think that we hear an announcement about it during the season. I think it's going to be very, very shortly after the season or maybe even towards the you know tail end of the season, maybe right around Thanksgiving week. That's just a guess for me. But I, I think we hear in the next uh, couple of months that OU's uh, last year in the Big 12 is indeed this season. Uh, big story number three. Uh, what a gift this has been. Three days oh before goodness. kickoff, we have big story number three. Uh, Gabe Iker tweeted out earlier, OU is actively searching for an architectural firm to design slash build a new football operations facilities at an estimated cost of up to $175 million per source. OU's leadership is determined to have the best facilities in all of college football as they prepare to move to the SEC. Um what Brent wants, Brent gets, and Thad Turnipseed's trying to make some plays around here to up OU's recruiting game. It sounds like, Travis, that this new facility might be directly behind the uh, the east part of uh, Owen Field right there where that track uh, where, the, where the track sits, which would be a, a, a perfect spot for whatever they're trying to build. Right, and I, I believe this had been uh, uh, talked about a bit on OU Insider VIP as well, that they were – I'm going to be putting out, uh, you know, opening it up to bids from architects and things like that. Uh, so if you're an architect that's listening, uh, go ahead and uh, throw your hat in the ring. Um, and, yeah, it's it's one of those things. This happens, I feel like, every four or five years now. It's, it's an arms race. You have to continue as technology improves, as you continue to raise more money, get more money, um, you know, TV deals, new TV deals, all that. That's this is what you get. I, I mean, I'm really excited to see what stadiums look like in, you know, 2035. You know, what, what does it look like? Are we all on, you know, those Oculus uh, virtual reality? Or are we all sitting at home uh, watching the games, pretending to be in the stadium? Who knows? But yeah, these are these are things that are that are just going to come, and 
and continue to come. We'll be talking about this uh, in a couple years, another announcement of an expansion or another announcement of an improvement because that's what you have to do to keep up with the Joneses. $175 million is uh, significant. Are they going to like show their uh, cash app or Venmo on the Jumbotron this weekend, hoping that people well, are going to donate to it? <laughs> well, you better not. Better not do any more than $600, I think, and then those new IRS agents are going to come after you. Uh, the GoFundMe, uh, is, is that what they're going to announce? The PA guy going to announce the GoFundMe page and where you can find it? $175 million, Trav. That, that's I, a lot. I, that, 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 that's a lot. That's a lot. But there's a lot of excitement around Brent Venables, and you have a great year this year, then maybe it can help speed up that process. But... I don't That'll know get how you six number one classes if you're A and M. Yeah, that's 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 true. And then they follow it up with like the forty seventh rate class right now and nine commits. Ran out, but ran out true. of money. It was funny on that same board. Uh, somebody goes, "Can we reallocate some of those funds to the linebackers?" I think I think that's where our weakness is on the depth chart. I'm like, it, it's just so funny that it's openly, you know, openly discussed like that. Man, what a time to be alive. It is uh, definitely a time to be alive. Three days away until kickoff. And you know what we're doing today? We're talking a whole lot of college football, a whole lot of OU football. We're going to start, hey, taking a peek into this OU-UTEP game on Saturday. What does success look like? The spread's 31 and a half. So I think a lot of times, Travis, we as fans fall into the trap of, well, defining success is pretty easy. Did you cover the spread against a bad opponent or not? If you did cover the spread, then, hey, it's a successful game. It's a win. If you don't cover the spread or if it's a close game, then not so much. But I, I think that there's several ways that you can kind of look at what success would look like for OU outside of the obvious win, but some other things that you can tell against uh, an opponent that's not going to be one of the best this season. But we do need to do this several times today to make sure we're all on the same page. Uh, Travis and I for the pregame show on Saturday. It's the ref. It's the uh, ref tailgate army. Ref army tailgate, I should say. It's going to be in the parking lot of Hertz Donut, and we're going to be on Travis from 11:30 to 1:30. Uh, Teddy and Toby and Plank. Uh, they are going to be at Balfour of Norman on Campus Corner. Steely is going to be on with us for two hours. He's going to be at Balfour of Norman on Campus Corner. But, Travis, you and I are going to be outside in that Hertz Donut parking lot. We're going to have ref koozies to give away. I've got three dozen ref Twitter Army shirts to give away. Uh, Come over. Come say hi. There's going to be beer being served over there, not by us, but by other people. And you got a chance to walk away with a free T-shirt a really cool koozie, and who knows what else we're going to have out there for the uh, first pregame show of the year. Yeah, and for those of you that aren't familiar uh, where the Hertz Donut parking lot is, it's right there in Campus Corner. You kind of have all those buildings and then that cutaway parking lot in the back right across from Valare, um, right out and to the right of Yo Pablo, um, right outside of Nompton, kind of that that parking lot right there, which is going to be impossible to miss. Uh, gonna gonna be a great time. I know we'll be blowing it out on social media, uh, everything like that. But yeah, you'll have to come by, hang out with us a little bit. And uh, post game, do it for post game as well, not just pre game. We'll be at Yo Pablo uh, for two hours after the game, breaking it all down. So Travis and I going to spend a lot of uh, quality time with uh, one another this weekend, and uh, cannot wait, cannot wait. The longest off season ever, or at least in my lifetime, comes to an end this weekend. Thank God college football in Norman is on the horizon. 
405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Bringing you the physical, relentless, suffocating coverage of the Sooners you deserve. This is the ref, the home of Sooner fans. Fowler Auto Group is proud to be a part of your community where our passion and values lie far beyond the show. We believe that families, sports, art, and culture are at the heart of every thriving community. And it's important to us that we help build the communities that our dealerships call home. Stop by any of our six Oklahoma dealerships or visit FowlerAuto.com to see the Fowler Standard hard at work. We pride ourselves on being friendly, helpful, honest, and fair. That is what drives us every day. Power Auto Group, a proud partner of OU Athletics. Tickets are now available for the 2022 Oklahoma soccer season. Head coach Mark Carr and the Sooners are excited to welcome back Sooner fans to John Crane Field as they host eight regular season matches this fall. 2022 season tickets are available for as low as $40 and group tickets are available for just $5. Don't forget about the One Pass with access to over 80 home events throughout the year. Visit Soonersports.com or call 405-325-2424. Boomer Sooner. I am Jordan Klinger, an attorney at McIntyre Law. I have dedicated my career to helping Oklahomans who did nothing wrong. Sometimes I help people who were badly injured because of another's negligence. Sometimes I can only help the families of someone who died because of another's negligence. At McIntyre Law... Cavens Construction bringing you our number one of the Friday rush, the Wednesday rush, just the rush, whatever you want to call it, whatever. It's Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson until 6 p.m. And your text on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's Ted Roof talking about what he wants to see on Saturday. Travis, what can we learn, or how about this, what will we learn about this OU team on Saturday after the UTEP game? Well, it, it it's tough to learn anything really against an opponent like UTEP, and it's you know it's not even being mean. I don't think. I mean, they're they're a thirty-one and a half point. It's the worst team you're going to play this year, at least yeah, I think. Well, that, yeah, them and Kent State, you know, it's they can they can arm wrestle for for that throne. Um, but yeah, here, here's the thing: you can't learn that your team is a title contender. But you can sure learn your team isn't a title contender. That's the thing. If if you can if you can cover, of course, good teams win, great teams cover. Uh, I think if you can do better than what the smart people in Vegas, the Sharks, uh, think you're going to do, then then that's a that's pretty much all you can get from it. In in my thinking, but I think you can you can a lot you can learn a lot more negative um, than than you can positive. In my opinion, what do you think? Um, I, I mean, I, I think that we know enough football around here that we can tell if this team can tackle better and if they're dominating at the line of scrimmage. Like, that's that's just what I want to see, man. Like, look, yes, you can't tell if this team's a title contender coming out of the UTEP game. But what you can tell is if they absolutely dominated a team like UTEP in the trenches. And that should happen. 
That should happen. You should be mauling those guys up front. You should be pushing them around, running the ball whenever you want. The pass rush should be very consistent. But here's like the number one thing that I want to see, Travis. And I've already said it multiple times throughout the offseason. I'm going to continue to bring it up throughout the season. So if you're already tired of hearing about it, I'm sorry. But I want to see this team have a nice lead going into halftime. And you know what I want to see them do? I want to see them extend it in the second half. That's exactly right. I want to see them impose their will in the second half by doing absolutely nothing other than playing a base defense and running the ball right at a team like UTEP. I want OU to look like the bigger, faster, more physical team and the more in-shape team as well. The first half is going to be the first half, whatever. But I want to see in the final 30 minutes of the game, whether it's starters or guys down the depth chart a little bit, I want it to look like you're a 31, 31 and a half point favorite over a team like UTEP. Show me, show me dominance in the second half, please, because I haven't seen it in quite some time, and I, I'm tired of not. I'm tired of OU not being the better in shape team in the second half. Yeah, and I, and I think being a bully, I think, is what you're describing. You want them to bully their opponent finally for once. And do you ever think that offensive coordinators or head coaches or anybody has has kind of uh, kind of an ear for for what the last guy was doing and what kind of the thought process was because you know it's kind of like having the ear of the fan base. What do we keep saying? Run the damn ball. Be physical. Be relentless. You know. Be disciplined. All this. Do you think uh, you know Levy and even uh, Coach uh, Coach Venables says, you know what? We'll show them something. Let's rush for four hundred yards. Or something like that. I mean, I you know, think. Do you, do you I, I think, think coaches ever think like that? I, I don't think. I, I mean, I'm sure some coaches do. I don't believe that this staff necessarily thinks that way. Do I? Do I think that they know what happened previously? Yeah, I, I think that they've probably watched some film and they know what was going on around here. I just don't think that that's Levy's DNA, man. And I, and I know that a lot of people think that it is because he came from you know, the, the Baylor offense and what they were doing. But Levy has shown us at a place like Ole Miss where Lane Kiffin is the head coach, he'll run the football, man. He'll pound the football oh. in the second half. And I, I think Dylan Gabriel's going to get some opportunities down the field on Saturday, sure. But I think we're going to walk out of that game Saturday saying, man, they made like a real effort to make it clear we are going to be a super physical run team this year. I think we're going to think that coming out of the UTEP game. I think that we're going to think that coming out of the Kent State game. Like, this is going to be a run-oriented offense. But I think especially early on in the schedule, Travis, they are going to make it a point to themselves, to us, to their opponents. Like, the one thing OU does well offensively this year is they're going to run it right at you in a physical with a physical style. Yeah, I think – so, last year, obviously – Coach Levy was at Ole Miss, and they were 11th in the country in rushing attempts. Uh, that is, um, let's just say, significantly higher uh, than what Oklahoma ran for in rushing attempts last year. Now, a lot of that has to do with pace. They were the second fastest team in the country last year behind Tennessee. But a lot of people think that pace just means throwing the ball over the yard. That's not the case. You can have pace while running the ball. So I think, I think that's what's important. You get these guys on their heels, and then you run it down their throats. You don't always have to be looking up for the deep ball. But I will say, running the ball a ton, that's how you open up the deep ball. It's, it's widely understood that's how you get the, the deep ball open. Run it, run it, run it, get everybody loaded in the box, hit something play action, 
and then go over the top. That's how you get those those big chunk plays wide open because you get the defense kind of in you know lull them to sleep with the run so many times. But but yeah, I think I, I think there's a certain attitude with especially with Venables. I mean, you think he's a he's a defensive guy. Obviously, that's 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 the most obvious thing in the world. He's a defensive coach, right? Well, Levy was running the ball at the 11th best in the in the country at that clip under an offensive head coach. So you think of now being under a defensive head coach, and it's going to be all smash mouth power. That's what I'm looking forward to. There's nothing more demoralizing in football than being a defense and you know that the opponent's going to run the ball at you, and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. Nebraska, that final possession, Northwestern's final full offensive possession last weekend, Everyone, you, me, everyone watching that game, Nebraska, knew that Northwestern was going to keep the ball on the ground, try to pick up first downs, and run down the clock. And there was nothing Nebraska could do about it. They knew that they were going to run it. And Nebraska, or excuse me, Northwestern would get eight yards. And then they might get nine yards. And then they might get 11 yards. Like, that's what I want to see, man. Like, I, I don't need the two or three play scoring drives. And it's a great point by Sean on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. It's exactly what I'm talking about. The last offensive coordinator was a stats chaser over game management. I'd like to see that change. There's nothing what's wrong, I, Travis. What's ironic is, what's ironic is Levy's offensive guys had way better stats than any of Lincoln's offensive guys last year. And, and, and much like... Much like the recruiting, right? We talk about how Lincoln wanted to be the recruiter, the finesse, all this, that that focused on getting ready-made players to Norman and all this. And then Brent Venables wants to focus on development. Oh, by the way, kids want to be developed, so now we're going to out-recruit what we were doing. Oh, Lincoln, you want to chase stats? Oh, well, if you just run the offense like it's supposed to be run, you will accumulate stats. I think there's a process missing in Lincoln's mind that he doesn't understand. That's how you get to the stats. That's how you get to the high recruiting classes is development, is trust in your scheme. Give me an eight-minute scoring drive. I, I'm down Ooh. for it. Huh? Does that Absolutely. get anybody going? Huh? I, I, I'm just saying, eight-minute scoring drive. Look, I'll always take a two- or three-play scoring drive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not that greedy. But at the same time, I've seen opponents over the past few years have seven-and-a-half, eight-minute scoring drives on OU. That sounds a lot of fun to be able to do that on the reg to someone. And I, I, I'm just saying, it wouldn't be the sexiest final score ever. I don't care, man. That's how you physically just dominate someone is if you run it at them time and time and time again and there's nothing that they can do about it. So yeah, that's what I'll be watching for. You can, second half, not because, doing it because you can, not because you have to. Like – Oh, you know, we we could score, you know, whenever we want, but we want to grind this one out. We want to take your will away from you. Text line says, uh, no more taking the foot off the tiger's neck. Like Captain Insano said, we show no mercy. Yes, that is accurate, <laughs> Brian and Tulsa. Um, what's the over-under of players taking off their pads on the sidelines in the second half against UTEP? That happened last year against Tulane. Yeah. I about lost my dang mind after that. Um, the over-under is zero, but if someone does do that on Saturday, you can probably go ahead and guess that they're never going to play another down at OU again. Exactly. Yeah, that ain't going to fly around is, here. Yeah, the, 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 the number zero is also no, the over-under on how many players remain on the team if they do that. 
That's a, that's a little parlay for you. Man, someone's talking dirty on the text line from the 918. Eight-minute drive <laughs> versus a three and out that only takes 25 seconds off the clock? Yes, please. Ooh. Wow. Tell you what, it's like it's like the rush after dark here uh, on a Wednesday. I, I think so. Philip from McAllister <laughs> says uh, you're going to learn how different your team is from last year, unlike beating Tulane by five points. Yeah, the, the close games. I mean, you know, one thing is I would like some uh, some blowouts or some at least you know you know comfortable wins because I got to run down to Yo Pablo to start the post game show and you know if we've got a nail biter going on I, I, I got to run. Yeah, it's it's one of the things you'll learn about doing a post game show is you hope every single game is in hand by about eight minutes left because there is nothing worse. I, nothing than having to leave with two and a half minutes left and not knowing who's going to win the football game, but getting in there in time for the postgame show. It's, yeah, it's was, not during, fun. During the spring game, I was, man, I was stiff arming people uh, running from the stadium to Yo Pablo. <laughs> I think those that tuned in, they could yeah. catch my heavy breathing as I was, uh, as I was joining the segment. And uh, sometimes, Travis, you leave the game thinking that it is in hand. And then you show up at the post-game show spot and you see Tyreek Hill taking a pump back and you have to watch oh. overtime from that establishment. But, hey, that's not going to happen this year, all right? No. Only, uh, only good vibes this time around. Uh, let's get to a few texts before we hit a break. Marcus Major is going to have a massive year, massive is in all caps, by the way, and lead the team in rushing. I will die on this hill, LOL. That, that feels like a text from Jacob Major. Um, but, yeah, you know what? I hope so. I hope so. You know what, Tyler? I get painted as a Marcus Major hater. I, I, I do. Uh, because I am just – I like to pump the brakes on some people that say, oh, Marcus Major's our best back, and he's this, that. And I just want to say, we're going into year four. We just need to see it. We just need to see it. I mean, it's – you know, he, he hasn't really done much for the first three years. He's got great potential. He's got a big body. He's what six foot two twenty, something like that. And it's it's the thing. I would love for him to have his breakout year this year, but I heard this all last year. I think I heard it the year before. So I I need to see I need to see it actually happen. If he leads the team in rushing, fantastic. That means we were probably really really good. You're not wrong with that. I mean, we do need to see it, and I mean, we kind of need to see it from from Eric Gray this year as well. Now he he's proven more. At this level, than Marcus Major has, but when I brought up that, I had brought up that point with Eric Gray. Eric Gray, in one year last year, had better yards per carry and more total yards than Marcus Major's had since he's been here three yeah. years. And I, I realized there's there's been you know some some academic stuff that was I guess a miscommunication type situation, and obviously injuries play a part. And look, I I hope he has an incredible year. I hope he has an incredible year. I just. I want to temper expectations on some Yeah, I mean, that, that's not wrong. I, I will say this about Marcus Major, though, and everything you said is, is very fair about him. But at the same time, you know, back in February, March, when we started to preview spring ball and even the upcoming season, we mentioned Marcus Major a lot, and we said, all right, here's the deal with him, man. If he's going to have his breakthrough year, it's got to start right now, man. He's got to have a great spring ball, his best spring ball. He's going to have to have a great summer. He's going to have to have a great training camp. 
To his credit, yeah, I mean, Travis, that is exactly yes. what's happened. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he he's has. put himself in a position to be the number two back, and you hear, you know, Brent Venables and the staff say that he's had the best, what, eight weeks here that he's ever had while in Norman. That doesn't automatically guarantee that he's going to rush for 1,000 yards this year, but we at least have to give him that credit that everything up to this point, he's taken care of, you know, things the way that he needed to take care of it. Oh, absolutely. From the 405 on the text line, I'd rather see shutouts than blowouts. Down. My response to that, why not both? <laughs> yeah, I, not I, both? I think you can have both with the offense if they're going to run this year. I think yeah, you can have both. both? You can, yeah, you, be, when we shut somebody out, it doesn't have to be 14 nothing. We can still we can still win 35 nothing. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line if you want to chime in. Talking football live on the rush. It's the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Starting wide receiver Marvin Mims, yeah, he ready for Saturday. He going to be the leading receiver for the third consecutive year, by the way? Uh, I believe uh, if we look at my prediction uh, that we made last week on, on Locked Up, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Mims is. And it's if you look at Levy's system, he's always got that kind of that one feature. And I think, I think after last year, I think Marvin, you know, he had – there were rumors of him leaving if Lincoln stayed. I think he was really searching out that feature role. And I think after conversations with uh, Jeff Levy, I think I think he's counting on that. So I think he's going to get it. Yeah, he seems to be in a uh, pretty good space right now and and ready to go. And he's been a really good deep ball threat these past couple of years. And I, I mean, it, it's hard to see a scenario where he's not a legit deep ball threat again. I, I know that... He's listed as a starter in the slot, but I still think that they're going to go vertical with him in the offense this year. I, I, again, he's been exceptional at that. It's the reason why they won the Texas game last year, along with Kennedy Brooks, Caleb Kelly, and a lot of other things as well. But Marvin Mims helped save the Texas game last year. He'll, uh, he'll still be in that role. Uh, text line, 405-651-3439. Air Coverage Solutions text line. I'm with Travis. Hang half a hundred on him and shut him out. Yeah, see, you can do that. Again, what the defense does, I mean, to a point, has little to do with the offense does. Oh, offense can keep scoring. Obviously, uh, were you among the uh, you're scoring too fast crowd, Tyler? When that was, when that was popular in 2018, at at some point, I mean, it, it's hard to ever complain about going and scoring a touchdown. But like in the West Virginia game, it's can can you slow down a little bit? I don't want West Virginia to have the ball with a minute 12 left trying to drive down and win the football game, please. I, I think that was one of the wildest things. Just just if you if you were to tell anybody, like, you know, that just watched regular football, if you, if you were to drop down in the middle of, you know, the Big Ten and just say, hey, uh, we need you to score, but don't do it too fast, they'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, go about, tell that right? to what? Iowa and Purdue to not just <laughs> exactly. score too quick. It's like, guys, we're exactly. having trouble scoring 10 points on our own. Get out of here. 
Exactly. I, I think just the concept of that is just so funny to me. So funny. Uh, Bill Conley had his S&P Plus, like his his predictions for this game on Saturday. Um, it, it's, it's a formula that he uses for every single game. For what it's worth, he's got OU winning 44-10 to on Saturday, which would be a cover. Um, and in fact, I really like OU minus 31.5 because I just – Look, I don't think that they're going to throw it 60 times, Travis. But at the same time, I think that there's going to be a lot of urgency coming out in game one, right? And you still have some position battles that are probably going to extend into the regular season. So whether it's the starters, whether it's the the second group that gets in there, there's going to be a real urgency to play every single snap all the way through. I think that's going to be the case throughout the entire season. But especially in in game one, right? I I don't think that there's going to be, you know, you're going to see a football team the final 12 minutes of the game saying, oh, we're up by 28 points. Let's just get out of here as quick as possible and we'll just take this win. Like, There's a lot of urgency, I think, from both sides for all these guys to play well and either keep their, their starting spot or if they're the next guy up to try to, to try to win that before you get to the Nebraska game. Yeah, and to your point, it's th- this staff seems like the staff that's not the type to play favorites. And so I think on a week-to-week basis, you know, t- to your point, those second string, third string, even fourth string guys are going to go out there and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go show out and play every snap as if you're still earning time. I also think you're going to get that from some of the coaches. I think a lot of these coaches understand, look, this, is, this game is going to be remembered as the first of the Brent Venables era, the first of the new, you know, the new regime. So let's go ahead and make it memorable. So, so yeah, I think I, I think the foot on the gas is going to be firmly there. A few more texts. Question: I'm struggling to find the OU sideline polo for the game on Saturday. Can you say what polo the coaches will be wearing? I asked on the morning show, but didn't get to hear the response. Thank you. I have no idea what yeah, sideline polo the coaches are wearing. But here's what I, here's how I can help you out. If you're coming to the game on Saturday, I promise you, literally, I will guarantee it. If you go to Balfour of Norman, where uh, Toby and Teddy and Plank and Steely will be on Saturday for our pregame show, I guarantee you Balfour is going to have it in stock and in your size as well. I promise you. Just go in there and ask Jerry, like, hey, the OU sideline uh, polo for this year, and he'll point you right towards it. I promise you. So I, I don't know what it looks like, but the guys at Balfour do. I, I assure you of that. So just run in there on uh, Saturday and uh, see what's going on. Grady County Mitch wants to know, will it be the month of September when we have more punt and kick returns in yardage than we did all season last year? Looks like we had 12 returns in both kickoffs and punts all season last year. Are you kidding me? 69 yards in punt returns all year. Hope that is passed this Saturday. Yeah, the the whole idea of bringing Nunez in was you're going to actually care about the, the third side of the ball, which is special teams. I've brought this up in the past. The Chargers team that was first in offense, first in defense, misses the playoffs because of special teams. That matters. Once you start, and, and it's right up Brent Venables, you know, alley to, to say, hey, you know, every facet of the game, we've got to, you know, be great. We're good. We're trying to get to great. You can't, you can't just ignore special teams at that point. You have to say, hey, your special teams were non-existent last year. Not only were they not good, they just they, they weren't there. Couldn't even call them special teams. They were just they were teams. 
and you want to get those up to great, then you have to be good in the return game. And you have to care about it. It has to be intentional. And I think it's intentional, especially when you look at the hiring. Got to emphasize it. Look, I, I don't think that they're going to have uh, Antonio Perkins back there returning punts this year. Like, Will they be more of a threat in the punt and kickoff return game? I think so. But at the same time, I don't think that they're going to you know, take six kickbacks for touchdowns this year. Where I think you're going to see a noticeable difference on special teams. You won't see those two to three times a year where it's a big moment in the game and Kansas State is blocking a punt on you to get back in the football game. Or TCU is taking a kickoff back to the house after you just scored a touchdown. I'm not saying OU will be perfect on special teams, but I bet they're going to be a lot better than what they have been in the past, Travis. That's where I think OU is going to get better is, you know, not the back-breaking mistakes that they've had, more so with the big returns. Yeah, it's it, what I like is you see the players, you see on the depth chart the players that are back there. It, it's not walk-ons. It's your, your most physical, most talented, best players. And I think that is – I think that showed me all I need to know about the intentions of this staff. 405-651-3439 is the Air Coverage Solutions text line. I- Cavens Construction, bringing you hour number one of The Rush. CavensConstruction.com for everything they can do for you. And just a heads up on that, Cavens can do a lot for you, whether it's your home or your office building or really kind of everything else in between. CavensConstruction.com for all the services that they offer. Um, Man, my early uh, score for this week, like my midweek feel, Am I way too aggressive with like a 55-13 if that's my midweek score feel? Too aggressive? Oh, man, that, Do I need to tone it down a bit? That was real close to mine. I got 52 to 7. Wow. You think the defense is going to play real well then? Hey, you know, go, like I said, stay on that throat. Tell you what. I, I think I think yeah, I think 50 I think 52 to 7. I think I was I think I was like a 48-14 type uh before I saw North Texas push them around. So after that, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm bullish on this one. Yeah, I know. I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, yeah, they got beat. What was it, like 31-13 against North Texas? They got beat 31-13 at home against North Texas. But, you know, if this happens differently, if this happens differently, and Travis, I'm just sitting there saying, wait a minute, you said 31-13, they lost to North Texas? I don't care how it happened. That's all I need to hear. I, I mean, right. don't don't try to justify a multiple score loss to North Texas, please. Yeah, well, if they wouldn't have scored so much, and maybe we would have scored more, then the game would have been totally different. Uh, one more before we hit a break. Any any thoughts about the new guy, Gavin Freeman? Yeah, they really like him. He is a preferred walk on. He may return punts for you. He is at least on your death chart at wide receiver. He's going to get an opportunity this year to play. And I think that that opportunity is probably going to start on Saturday against UTEP, if uh, if I had to guess. All right, that's hour number one. Hour number two coming up next, live on The Ref.